daily lectionary comments for Friday of Easter 7. We're going to look at Numbers chapter 20 uh, and the unfortunate incident with Moses and Luke chapter 20 and uh, <coughs> look at a little bit of the hostility between Jesus and some various Jewish factions. All right, Numbers chapter 20. Numbers 20 is a sad chapter in Scripture, a sad chapter in Numbers. We, it opens with the death of Miriam. It closes with the death of Aaron, although we're not going to, that's not a part of today's reading. And in the middle is this very unfortunate incident with, um, with Moses. If you really want to understand what's going on more fully with this chapter, it'd be good to go back and read Exodus chapter 17, because we have the people in roughly the same place and experiencing roughly the same problem. They don't have any water and they complain uh, about not having any water. And God instructs Moses to bring uh, water out of the rock. And that was the last generation now, of course. This is, this is many years later. These are the children of those who, who uh, gave God such a, a, a miserable time uh, in Exodus chapter 17. These are the children, but they say the same thing. And verse 5 says, Why have you made us come out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? There's no place for grain or figs or, vine or vines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Well, okay, so uh, Moses has heard this before, and he goes to the Lord, and the Lord says in verse 8, uh, Tell the rock before they rise to yield its water. Now, as the story develops, Moses assembles the people, and he strikes the rock twice, and uh, and and then uh, orders the water to come out, and water comes out. And for this, he he is strongly uh, admonished by the Lord. In fact, Moses is told that because of what he did, he will not be able to enter uh, the promised land uh, along with the rest of the people. Just like the last generation, he won't be able to. He'll be able to look over and see into it. Moses, of course, is still incredibly blessed. But nevertheless, uh, this is because he did not uphold the Lord as holy. Now, we have such a strong tendency to think of God as the one who makes commandments and, and executes punishments and rewards and one that we should obey. And we think of a relationship with with the Lord primarily as one of obedience. Um, but, you know, you can't help but reading in, in the law of Moses to see that although obedience is definitely an important theme there, respecting the holiness of God is, is actually looms even rather much larger. Uh, the children of God are, of course, to be obedient to God, but they are also to respect God as holy in the eyes of one another and in the eyes of the world. And Moses did not do that here. Now, you say, just by striking the rock, even though God didn't tell him to strike the rock, that's not what the problem is. In fact, in Exodus uh, chapter 17, he was told to strike the rock, and he struck the rock. This time he wasn't told to strike the rock, but that's not really the issue here. It's not that you know, he didn't exactly do precisely what God said. The problem is this. It's what Moses said in front of all of the people. He assembles the people and he says, Here now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? That is the problem. Moses and Aaron are taking credit 
for what belongs to the Lord. They've just forgotten themselves entirely who they are before these people. And, and they've made it sound like, you know, they have this power as though God has given him the power to make water flow uh, at, his, at his whim. That's what Moses did to fail to uphold the Lord as holy. He robbed God of some of his glory. And while that would be bad for anybody to do, those who are actually in front of the people, those who the Lord raises up as leaders, it is especially important for them to uphold the Lord as holy. So Moses receives that punishment, and God does not come off of that, even though Moses does plead with him uh, later on. Very quickly, uh, we have a little story about Edom refusing passage uh, of Israel. Just want to make this point. Um, it seems like uh, the Israelites are attacking everywhere they can and often shown as attacking people. And yet, for some reason or another, they don't attack Edom. Well, part of the reason for that is because Edom are, is a descendant of Esau. And so this, this was Jacob's twin brother. So, I mean, they, they, didn't, they didn't want to attack him for that reason. But there's another more important reason, actually, and that's that Israel was given license to attack and eradicate the people inhabiting the land of Canaan because God's judgment was upon them. Those were the only people that they were given license to attack like this. Edom is not in the land of Canaan, and Israel has not been given license to attack them for this or any other reason. The fact of the matter is the people of God have never been given just a blank check to go and attack and spread the, the, the kingdom of God by force. The peoples of Canaan were delivered over to Israel and that alone is, is the lone example of, of God doing this. And their license to attack uh, militarily is limited to there and there alone. In the New Testament, we have no license to attack anybody at any time in order to spread the kingdom of God. But merely by the preaching of the word are we to spread God's reign. Luke chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. just want to give a little background here. Uh, we have a number of different um, sects or, or uh, groups of people among the Jews, and they are all attacking Jesus here. Jesus is in the temple courts, and he is preaching, and this is Holy Week. And so this is very high-stakes stuff that's going on right now. They are trying to get the goods on Jesus uh, so that they can, they can arrest him, and Jesus is openly teaching in the temple. Now, Here's an important thing to understand about, about first century Judaism. There were two uh, sort of focal points for religious power among the Jews in that day. The first uh, focal point was the temple. The temple was in the capital city. The, the, there was one and only one temple. The Sadducees are that party of the Jews that ran the temple. Most priests were Sadducees. And most of the economic power of the Jews uh, ran through the temple and the Sadducees were kind of the, the blue bloods or the elites. They were the powerful movers and shakers in Jerusalem, uh, especially. And so Jesus is having debates with the Sadducees here. Uh, another focal point uh, of, uh, of, of religious power among the Jews was in the synagogues. There were many, many synagogues. Every little town almost had a synagogue, very much like what we have churches today. This was a later innovation. There were no synagogues in the days of Moses. Moses never speaks of such a thing. But they developed later on uh, at, at, at an earlier age when the temple had been 
for 70 years destroyed and there was no temple and the synagogues appear to have arisen during that time. At any rate, the scribes, lawyers, lawyers were, were experts in the law of Moses um, uh, and, and the Pharisees, the rabbis, uh, these all found their homes uh, or their, their base of power in the synagogues. Jesus spent most of his ministry up in Galilee and most of the time he was preaching in synagogues uh, and running into rabbis and Pharisees all over the place. Now he's in Jerusalem. Now we're seeing a much, uh, much more intensely focused uh, effort to get him. The Pharisees and the Sadducees are sometimes working together and sometimes separately. Very, very quickly here, verse 27 and following, it talks about this ridiculous question that the Sadducees bring to Jesus about the resurrection. The Sadducees denied that there is such a thing as a resurrection because they only accepted the law of Moses as the word of God. They did not believe that any of the other prophets or the Psalms were actually the word of God. And most of your clear um, uh, talk of resurrection happens in the prophets. So they, they, they don't believe in any of this. Jesus, in his response to them, cites uh, the law of Moses and the burning bush, which was in Exodus chapter 3. And he does that because that's a book that they respect also. He didn't go to Isaiah or Jeremiah or Ezekiel or, or Daniel, but he goes to a book they recognized as having the authority of the word of God. 